father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. Today, episode 175 with Coach Kobe Durden. Coach Kobe Durden is entering his sixth year being with the Buford High School Georgia Girls basketball team. He serves as an assistant coach under his father, Gene Durden. He has helped guide the Lady Wolves basketball team to five state championships, 2015, 2017, 2018, 2019, and just recently 2020. In his six years coaching with the program, after graduating from Buford High School, he played collegiately at the University of North Georgia for Coach Chris Faulkner. Coaches, I think you're really going to get a lot out of this podcast. Uh, I think Kobe is a rising star in our profession. Uh, he's right now coaching under the legendary uh, Coach Gene Durden. Um, and But he's got such a bright mind. I know he's gained a lot of knowledge through the years. Um, you know, just kind of, you know, really listening to his father and being part of the Buford program. But I think Kobe's got a really sharp mind that I think you're really going to enjoy his strength, his uh, skill development. And we're going to really talk a lot about player development and what you can do with your players. I think the overall Buford program is all about skill development and really developing all-around players. Uh, he's going to talk about the um, building a, a coach-player relationship, accountability, which is so important at Buford, and his hunger to get better as a coach. I think you're really going to get a lot of insight into Kobe Durden. Welcome to the podcast, Kobe. Coach, can you hear me? Kobe, how are you? I'm good. How are you, sir? Good, good, man. You're pretty quick. You're you're uh, you're you're right on, man. Sometimes technology doesn't work that great, but man, welcome to the podcast. Well, I I, I appreciate it. I just got done. Uh put my daughter down for a, for a nap so um i i was waiting on the link so I, when it, you sent it i just clicked on it and it, it it did happen pretty quick so i i just want to thank you i appreciate you uh having me on and I'm, i can't wait to talk some basketball yeah absolutely and it's um <clears throat> i appreciate of course you know 
uh, your dad and I are good friends and so forth. And I, I just have a lot of respect for you and what you're um, coming to our clinics and so forth. You got a bright mind, man. You got a bright future. I want to kind of ask you a lot of questions on um, what you're doing and a little bit about your philosophy. And I'm looking forward to having you share with us. Well, I appreciate it. Like I said, um, yeah, I, uh, a, a lot of it uh, is kind of uh, from my dad, you know, since he, since he, uh, I've been in his house and around him coaching. So we kind of have a lot of the same, same tendencies, not all the time, but, but most of the time. So. Yeah. It's interesting about, cause I, I speak to, and I, I know you probably listen to a few of the podcasts, but there's a lot of, a lot of coaches who grew up with their dad's coaching. It's so interesting that it's not all the same. They, they take a few things from their, their dad, um, but it's not everything. People think, oh, you know, it's a, they have the same. No, everybody's different. Everybody has kind of their own way. And I'm, that's why I want to kind of see from you. And you might have a lot of things you take from your dad. And you might have quite a few things that, hey, man, this is how I like seeing things done. Um, talk about your childhood because you grew up in a coaching family. And how did you know? When did you know that, hey, man, coaching's in my blood? Well, I'm sure you get this a lot, you know. Um, I, I've known since mm-hmm. I've been a little boy that I want to be a coach. Like you said, I've al- it's something I've always been around, especially with my dad. Um, I grew up in Dade County. Uh, it's the upper northwestern corner of Georgia where there really wasn't much to do. And um, my dad built a really, really good girls basketball program there. And I got to see firsthand you know, how he built it from the ground up and got to see how hard he worked to build the program. And since I've been around it, it's just, I've just always known it's something I want to do really. Um, in high school, I kind of, I kind of knew I wanted to go in education, you know, in college. So, um, but, but since I've been little, that's, that's all I've really known, man. And I, first and foremost, I wanted to be a really good basketball player. But, uh, after that, I knew, I knew my, my passion was coaching. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I, hey, Kobe, I remember you. I used to go to your dad. He had his clinics over at Buford. I remember you coming out, man. You guys were classic coming out, demonstrating all the drills. And he had so much, he was so proud of you for the development and the hard work that you put in. It's like, I knew this guy. I said, I knew he was going to be a coach eventually. (laughs) Um, So you remember those days with all those clinics over there, man. What what recollection do you remember of, of being in front of people and doing those clinics? Well, I just always thought, you know, uh, my dad's always had, you know, a, 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 uh, a following. People always know his teams for how hard they work and, and how hard they go and stuff. And I think that was kind of instilled in me uh, to do that as a player, you know. Um, and that's one of my big areas of uh, – or one of my biggest strengths, I think, as a coach because that's what I had to do as a player so um he he sat me down in middle school and he was really truthful with me and you know we moved from Dade County to Buford and it's a whole different world you know Dade County is a small little city I could have probably grown up there and and played and and uh, had a good little career and not had to fight as hard you know to to play in that environment that's not taking anything away from them because there's some cats up in Dade who could play sure but um you know, when I moved to Buford, he kind of sat me down when I was in middle school and he told me, he said, son, you know, you're never going to play um, because there's athletes below you. Uh, there's athletes in your class and there's athletes above you. And he said, the only chance that you have of playing 
uh, is if you um, develop your skills and not just develop your skills, but you have to really go go to work with it. And, and that's what's going to get you on the floor. And so I trust them, you know, I trust them because I got to see it firsthand with some of his girls and how they reap benefits from all their skill development that they did. Um, and not even that, I think they kind of know too, you know, my dad kind of instilled in me, uh, to have a hard nose blue collar work ethic. Um, and that's how I played, you know, I did, I was the kind of guy who did all the dirty work. Uh, I took charges, I dove on the floor, I defended, I set screens, you know, and I scored here and there, you know, I was a point guard, six, five point guard. And, and I did all that stuff too, but you know, I really knew, uh, to get me on the floor with all those great players that I was playing with. Uh, that I had to be different and I had to had to do things differently than my friends um, in order to play. And so when you're talking about those uh, clinics and me always demonstrating, that was just another, you know, I took it as a way to get better. Um, I didn't really think of it as anything else because that's all I knew. So, uh, you know, when I was demonstrating, I would go with him everywhere to demonstrate. And, and I just took it as an opportunity that, hey, I'm going to show them how hard I can work and, and, and see – uh, show these people how um, their players can reap the benefits if, if they get their players to work just as hard. So that was always kind of my mindset going into the stuff like that. Yeah. And your dad always told me, he says, thank God I got Kobe because I can't demonstrate anymore. Right. Uh, he's, uh, he's creeping up there in age. And, and now I'm, I'm starting to get a little, uh, especially now we haven't been able to play or do anything because of quarantine and I'm getting a yeah. little out of shape, but um, yeah, he, <laughs> he, he kind of relies on me and, and our other assistant coach to get some demonstrating done nowadays. Right. Yeah. Kobe, you're probably what you go from what 3% to 4% body fat now. Come on. Hey, Hey, I mean, no, no, it's, it's creeping up there. Everyone says after you have a baby, I, I'm lucky I'm married. Well, my wife, she can cook. Um, she can, she can bake and she always keeps me fed well. So I've, I've never weighed as much as I have right now, but that's a good thing. I used to be stick skinny, but now I'm feeling out a little bit. I feel a little better all the time. <laughs> right. Um, and talk a little bit about your family and talk about what you're doing at, at Buford. Um, just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing at the school. Um, so, yeah, uh, after high school, I went to North Georgia and I played there and I, I went into education and, um, I actually went to the middle grades education uh, field. Um, I knew that was a big, I, I had a lot of teachers in middle school uh, shaped the way I think now. And so I really wanted to be one of those people who did the same thing for other middle schoolers coming up now. So I thought that was a great opportunity for me. And I was, uh, I was very fortunate enough to get hired at Buford. And now I, I'm in, I'm entering my third year teaching um, as a, uh, a sixth grade math teacher. I've been kind of um, <laughs> changing my subject area every year. The first year I taught math and science across grade levels. I taught seventh grade math and sixth grade science. Last year I taught all sixth grade science and this year I'm teaching all sixth grade math. So um, I just know that that's an opportunity that I have where I can make an impact on kids um, because I have just as much of a passion for teaching as I do coaching. Um, and it, I know a lot of people say that and it's true. You know, I want to help kid that that's my goal in life is to help kids because I had uh people who helped me through through that so I was very fortunate enough to uh get hired on at Buford Middle School and, and that's what I do now so yeah and I um just from talking to a lot of coaches your best coaches to me are your best teachers they're master teachers uh <clears throat> and that's really cool you're working with sixth grade because it takes 
that middle school group, it, it, you got to be a special teacher to coach middle school, right? Right. Um, and, or teach. Yeah. And, and, uh, a lot of people say that and I didn't really realize until I was back in the classroom, how little and young sixth graders are, you know, uh, once you're out of school, you don't really recollect how little they are, but they're, it's funny to see like the eighth graders in the school and the sixth graders because the sixth graders are so small and immature. And then the eighth graders are like the big tough guys on the, on the top of the totem pole. It's, it's funny. So um, I, I just, it's, it's something I really enjoy. Um, and uh, you know, I, I know that I can make an impact in those kids' lives. Yeah. And the difference between, of course I teach K five. So the little ones, but the difference between like fifth and sixth grade, man, you can really see the growth and development of kids, uh, particularly sixth to eighth grade. It's amazing. Hey, coach, uh, before you talk, we talk about philosophy and skill development. You played, you were to me almost like a self-made player. And that's through the, you know, just through the hard work and so forth. What did you learn as a player that now you can now help out players that you're working with right now that can, that can kind of guide them along the way? Well, that's a great question, and it's funny because me and one of our other assistant coaches, uh, Coach Bro, were talking about this the other day. Um, one of the biggest things that I learned as a player, you know, I, I, I really did have to work on everything, and, and everything I got was something I earned. And, you know, I'm not really trying to brag or anything, but, you know, I did put in a lot of work. But um, one thing that me and Coach Bro were talking about is, you know, now everyone wants, like, instant gratification. Everyone wants it now. They don't really want to go through the process. And so that's what I always try to remind kids because when I was in eighth grade, I thought I was good, and I knew I had a passion for basketball. And I was, uh, I was an okay player, but I wasn't where I wanted to be if I wanted to play in college or anything like that. And so – you know, one day I, I went up to my dad and I was like, hey, I, I'm serious about this and, and I want to get after it. And so I think nowadays some kids really, you know, with with social media and everything, uh, they want it right now. And they don't want to uh, learn to love the process of getting better, because that was one of the biggest things that happened to me is when I started working on skill development and then I would go play pickup with grown men. I started seeing you know, I started seeing the benefits of all the hard work I was putting in, and that made me even more hungry um, to get better. And so that was kind of a cycle uh, from my eighth grade to 10th grade year of uh, every day I was doing something basketball-wise, and I would go play and try something in the game, and I would be successful. And when I saw it, me being so successful with it, you know, it just made me more hungry as a player. So that's one thing I, I try to tell our girls right now. You know, it's a process. And if it's something you really, really want to do, uh, it can be done with dedication, hard work, um, and it's not going to happen instantly. That's what I try to always remind our girls. Yeah, and it's so true. You're kind of uh, – I mean, I love that because the one thing I got from your dad is he always mentions about we tell the kids the truth. And right. they might not like it, but it sounds like right. to me your dad gave you the honest truth. Okay, you want to be a player. Now you got to get after it on your own. Right. Um, so do you think, Kobe, that, um, you know, everybody's in the trainers now? I, I think that's I think that helps. But you better get after it on your own. You better find a a, a, a gym or a, 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 an empty space somewhere to work on your game. Right. That self-discipline. Absolutely. And, and you're absolutely right. One of the biggest things now is 
we want our girls, what are you doing extra? You know, we always ask them, what are you doing extra? We know people are going to trainers. We know you're doing, you know, our breakfast club. But but what are you doing extra that's going to make you better by yourself? Because uh, like you said, if you really want something, you're not going to rely on a trainer having to be there to do it. You're not going to have to rely on a coach. You're going to find a way to get it done uh, no matter what. I remember – a bunch of times, you know, just as a boy, uh, and my dad's a girls coach, I would be the only, I, you know, our, our, uh, in high school, our boys coach, we kind of practiced in the afternoon and, you know, my dad did breakfast club in the morning. So I would go do breakfast club as hard as I can. I remember some of my teammates walking by and laughing at me, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and so th- that was, that kind of fueled me and, and they weren't laughing very long after that when I was playing and they weren't. So, you know, we always tell our girls, what are you doing extra? Are you getting extra shots up? Are you, are you, are you really, do you really want this? Cause that, that's the bottom line uh, with kids. Now uh, they can do all this stuff with trainers, but, but what are they doing extra to, to really get better and, and move past? Cause there's a lot of people who are with trainers. Now you got to do extra to get uh, in front of the competition. So. Yeah. It's a strong word is extra. You got, I mean, there's no doubt you got you just got to do, you know, one per, we talked about the 1%, just that little extra 1%. That, and that, that's a very, that's a very important word to the development of a player. Um, hey, before you go on, we talk about culture and building the culture and so forth at Buford. Your favorite quote is Isaiah 4031. Why is that important? Uh, Isaiah 4031. Um, it, to be honest with you, uh, that's the verse. Um, my brother passed away, my older brother, my senior year of high school. Um, and that's just a verse I've always learned to live by, uh, for him. And, and it's something that's always resonated with me and reminds me of him. So that's, that's my favorite verse. Where'd you see that at? Is that on my, uh, is that on my Twitter? I think it is. I don't well, know. I saw it. I looked up, uh, some of your old things when you played for, uh, North, hey, I do my research, coach. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Okay, yeah. my North Georgia guy. I, I, I remember putting that on there. Okay, okay, okay. Because yeah. that's funny. But, yeah, that's that's just something that always reminds me of him. Um, and, and you know, uh, I, I just want to honor him um, for what he stood for. And, and that's always something that reminded me of that. So. Yeah, and I know, you know, I know that was, I know, and I remember that, and I spoke to your dad. I mean, that's a very tragic thing, but it sounds like your family really kind of um, regrouped from that, and that's when you really find out, you know, your spiritual values and what you learn from that type of tragedy. I mean, what what is one positive thing that your family got out of that? I mean, you're absolutely right. It's not like our family was, you know, dysfunctional, uh, going our separate ways, but that that event really, um, I think it really put everything in perspective uh, of, of what, how important, you know, we talk about basketball and, and a bunch of people, you know, it's a game and, and we, we coach as hard as we do and we, we get after it because we love the game, but, and, and that's what it is. It's a game, you know, it's not life or death and it really puts life in perspective of how fragile it is. Um, and now our family, really uh, cherishes every moment we have together because you never know uh, when the last moment is you're going to be with someone. Um, and it's kind of special right now. Me and me and my twin sister, you know, we have um, two little one-year-olds and we're both at my parents' house right now uh, hanging out with my family. And so uh, we're both expecting uh, other babies in November and December. And so it's just, 
it's just really special. We just uh, it kind of brought us together, made us cherish cherish each other more, um, and not take things for granted. Yeah, that's the value of family right now. So, hey, I, I imagine you got you'll probably have a starting five in five to ten years, man. I mean, <laughs> hey, you're right. I mean. Uh, <laughs> With with our families and even our extended families, everyone's right. mother having a having a baby right now. So you're absolutely right. I might have a uh, a starting five sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that you know, and the the balance. I guess what you're saying too, basketball is not everything. You the balance of family and basketball, which is hard to do, isn't it? You're right, absolutely, and that's something my dad taught me too. I got to see him, you know, go through uh, what he went through, and my mom. And one thing that really changed about my dad, my dad eat, breathes, sleeps basketball. I mean, he loves <laughs> he it just does. as much as anyone else. <laughs> you know, I think I love it just as much as he does. But it really, he really showed me that now life is all about balance. And he says this all the time. But, um, you know, family, you have to have your family up there just as much as basketball. You have to have your friends. You know, when you're on the court and you're working out and stuff, you need to be present in that moment. But when you're outside the gym or whatever, uh, you need to, you know, have other things um, and have balance in your life. He always tells our girls, you know, you're done with basketball today. Go be girls. Go have fun. Go to the pool. Go hang out with your friends. Um, because that is what's li- what life is really about. So that's one thing I learned from him is to always have balance. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, Coach, talk about Buford basketball. And I love the saying that you guys have, and it's all over your Twitter account and so forth. You guys are built on culture. Why is this so vital to your program success? Well, um, culture. Culture, like I said, it, it's a big buzzword today. Everyone wants to use culture. And, and it's a, a system of beliefs that a, common, that a group has, you know. And uh, why it's so important for us is we want to be consistent. We want to be a program that's consistently competing year in and year out. And without culture, you can't do that. And so, um, you know, we have girls graduate uh, and we always say, you know, seasons change, players change, but expectations don't. And and that's culture. And uh, that's something that you have to practice every day. And that's something that's important to us, the culture of our program. Like today we got our girls back together and we were talking about uh, just the little thing of sprinting everywhere you go. And so, Mm -hmm. like, we have 14 little freshmen out there, you know, uh, looking at our senior leaders uh, to see if they're sprinting. And our leaders are trying to tell them, hey, we don't we don't do this. This is not our culture. This is not our way. And so that's something that trickles down to them, because when these seniors graduate, it's going to be in the juniors hands to to make sure none of that happens. And I think that's one thing um, that kind of sets us apart is our culture is going to be the same and our expectations as a coaching staff. Uh, is going to be the same. That's why we uh, can consistently compete. Even if we lose a big group of seniors or good players, it doesn't matter because we have that culture embedded in whatever we're doing. And it even goes down to our middle school. It's not as much because we're not there to, you know, kind of watch it and enforce it. But still, our middle school the schoolers, they know if they're coming to a workout, they're not walking anywhere. They're no body language. So it's, it's just kind of something that, that we really, really try to protect and we really, really try to enforce uh, no matter who you are in our program. Yeah, and, and it's it's very visible to the eye because I've been around your program for quite a few years. You can see it even with the little kids, you're starting to build that culture. And I so you believe that your program has to be player-led, not coach-led. 
Absolutely. The more player led it is, the more uh, the more that kids are going to the kids are going to follow the players. And if the players are jogging around, one kid sees that they're going to start jogging around, too. So really, um, we want our seniors and it doesn't even have to be seniors. It can be anyone really who leads. Uh, it, it has to be, you know, through them uh, because it's, it's going to be more organic that way. And usually kids are going to respond to uh, a kid getting after them. Um, rather than us always barking. But one thing with culture, and, and I'm sure my dad said this before, uh, culture is nothing without accountability. Um, and that's something that, you know, we believe in because kids are going to let you do whatever you allow them to do. You know, if you let them jog uh, around, if you let them walk, if you let them have poor body language, um, you know, you let that happen. So, uh, if you don't want something to happen, you have to hold your kids accountable to do, to do it every single, every single thing right all the time. Um, and that's why we're so blessed at Buford because we have six coaches on our staff and we get to watch every, you know, we practice together, but we have eyes on all of our kids at all moments. And we're all coaching all of our kids who are trying to hold them accountable um, to do it right every single time. So uh, that, that definitely helps a lot too. Yeah, and you guys do a great job, Gene. Uh, um, you, Gene, always has some of the best. You guys have some of the best coaches working in your program, and that um, I mean, it's amazing what you guys are doing. And what I see though is you all have an input into what's going on. It's not just your dad. You all seem to have a great input, and I see it at the clinics. So tell us a little bit about the input that the assistant coaches have in your program oh yeah it, like i said we we're extremely blessed in our program to have the coaches we do like we have my dad me um we have uh coach bro she coached college at air force and we we're fortunate enough to get her on staff we have uh coach green uh a young lady who she was at model when my dad was at dade and she's been with my dad for 14 years so she kind of helped build this the foundation of our program to what it is today so she knows what's what's going on and then coach osmond um as well he's been with my dad 14 years so uh we really have some knowledgeable people um who do who do know the game and do know uh what the program was built on um and like I said my dad he does a great job of being hands-off with us and he lets us coach I mean if you come to a practice now I'm not saying he doesn't do anything but he kind of mediates what we do because he lets us coach he doesn't say hey you do this Hey, you do that. We all have input. If we see something we need to tinker on defense, we're not like afraid to talk to him and make his suggestion. And obviously he's going to, you know, if he doesn't like something, he's going to veto it and do it. You know what he wants to do. He's the head coach and he's the head man and does what he wants or, or thinks is best. But um, we, he, he does a great job of allowing all of our coaches to coach. You know, that's our job. Um, and he gets after us if we don't coach, you know, or hold kids accountable because he knows it's so important. So, um, like I said, it's, I'm very fortunate enough, even if he wasn't my dad, um, I'm very fortunate enough. And I know Coach Green, Coach Bro, and, and uh, Coach Osmond feel the same way to coach with him because he's kind of hands off and lets us, you know, have input in what we do. So, Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and I, I want us to get into skill development. And I know two of your favorite players – um, and it could have changed since I, I last seen it, is Kobe Bryant and Steve Nash, two guys that are probably two of the most skilled players of all time. 
um, particularly Steve Nash, who kind of made himself into a really skilled player. Do you think a big part of skill development, I think we talked about this earlier, I think it's self-discipline and self-motivation rather than people constantly coaching them. Do you think those are two factors that are key for player development? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because like you said, if you want to be a great player, you're going to find a way to get it done, whether you have a coach there or a trainer there or not. Um, and one thing you have to be is disciplined to do it the right way at the right speed uh, for every single rep. And that's really when you start getting better. And that's what we told our girls today. You know, we're out here coaching you on a thousand little details of what you need to do. But it's really your choice and your decision if you want to do it right every single rep because you're not going to have a coach standing right beside you every time. So definitely, I think uh, for skill development, you have to be disciplined um, to make sure you, you're getting better. But, yeah, those Kobe Bryant, Steve Nash, those are my guys. Those are, th- those are the guys who I've always looked up to, you know. And, and so I, I – Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. I knew there were great skilled players and some some guys who I just wanted to to model my game after. And and one thing also, those guys are tough. You know, those guys are they're hard nosed, uh, blue collar, work ethic. Those guys are tough. So. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think Steve Nash is probably one of the most all-time underrated players. I mean, people don't realize the skills, the passing, the shooting, the the finishing. Man, he was unbelievable, wasn't he? Absolutely. I mean, I – when the, they had the 0304 Suns team, I think I was like in fifth or sixth grade. I just remember watching him and like Amari dominate on pick and rolls and just I was mesmerized by watching him and even even like Jason Kidd, him and Jason Kidd, you know, Rajon Rondo, those guys are kind of guys that I, I love to watch as point guards because they were just so savvy and and hard nosed and they were so skilled and and they like you said, they're they're self made players. It's not like they're the most athletic guys or strongest guys or biggest guys, but they, they were skilled players who could get it done. Yeah, no doubt about that. Coach, talk about hey, just give us a sample today because we worked out too. Uh, and I think there's a lot of teams working out. But tell me, you mentioned a good word, detailed. I think when I watch you guys in clinics, you guys are always – you're giving great details. And that's one thing I noticed with you when you're speaking to the crowd. You're giving great details. I think you're an excellent teacher of the game. Talk about a detail you all went over today to help us out. Uh, Okay. One thing, hmm, there was a lot. Hang on, let me think of a good one. <laughs> right. Um, we were talking about uh, our offensive footwork uh, on as a guard, being on the perimeter, our perimeter footwork. And, and you've seen us do like stepping goes and crossing goes and how we attack perimeter defenders. Um, so today, uh, a lot of girls, their first steps, they wanted to go out instead of straight line and be heel past heel. 
and, and not only that, but when they did go out, their shoulders would be straight up. Right. Um, and that's something that players sometimes don't really recognize. They, they think they're low, but they're not. Um, so just like telling them to get low and when they're going by someone to, to rip that shoulder through and step in a straight line, that makes all the difference in the world on if someone, an athletic guard can stay with you or you can beat their butt and get them in foul trouble. You know, something like that is really big for us. Um, another detail we talked about, we broke down our half court defense today, our O2 defense. And we always talk about our angles on the helpline because uh, we played a sagging man-to-man defense. And uh, we never want to be flat um, on the helpline because when you're flat, you're out of position to help, and then uh, you can't see your man when you, you're trying to close back out. So we always talk about having uh, your belly to your man, and that tells you what up foot to have. Uh, we want to have an up foot so we can seal gaps better but still be able to see our man if they backdoor us or anything like that. So just little details like that. Uh, we really, really like to enforce, uh, and, and it makes a whole lot of difference for our girls because I don't think it's any secret. Uh, we don't look like, you know, if, if when people see us run out, we're not uh, crawling with six, three girls that are long. You know, we, we just look like a normal average team. So that's something that makes us different, and I think that allows us to compete is, is you know, uh, teaching our girls all those details. So, yeah, and it's amazing. You know, it's it's we're right here in June. I would doubt yeah, this is what I think separates you guys. Um, it's one thing I've learned from what watching you guys that I try to incorporate in my program. But you guys are teaching details like that in a summer where most people are just playing games. Is that absolutely uh, so? That's a separator, correct? Absolutely. I and, and it, it's kind of uh, it's this year's been really weird for everybody. You know, with the pandemic now and being quarantined and not being able to we haven't really been able to do our our summer routine and that's one of our foundations of our program so we feel like that really hurts us uh in a sense because we haven't Mm -hmm. had our girls together getting this whole month of june for skill development because that's really when we get to see uh players grow and like i said that's one of our foundations where we can work on skill development and and we still play we do controlled scrimmages a lot we don't necessarily go to team camps um where we can put what we teach into action uh, and kind of coach it while we're scrimmaging another team. But, um, yeah, uh, I think that's definitely a separator for our program. Um, But it kind of hurts us because we don't really get that chance this year, but we're trying as best we can to make shift everything and and make it work. Yeah, and you guys will probably have even more intensity because, really, I I believe you guys find a way to get it done. how would you take – you've had some great girls. I'm going to give you a list of them here. Just recently, Tate Walters, Tori Osmond, Andrea Carter, and many more. How would you take a girl like – and I remember Tori Osmond when she was a fifth grader coming to the clinics and demonstrating. She had more skill than a lot of the older girls. Um, right. What do, do you, so you guys really believe in taking those young kids and building them from the ground up. Give us a sample of that. Oh, yes, sir. I'll give you a great example. Um, Last summer when we did breakfast club, you know, we 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 were over at our little city gym and we had that place crawling with little ones like five and six and seven year olds. And uh, because we know that's our bloodline at Buford, you know, we have an opportunity that some people don't have where, you know, we're a city school school system and we can um, 
we can have our hands on those kids. And so my dad said, Hey, you and coach bro, you're in the other gym with the little ones. And my, I knew my job right then. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to scream at these girls and, and guys, but I'm going to hold them accountable just like I would our high schoolers. You know, I have the same expectations for those little ones um, as I do for our older ones, because I know, like I said, that's our bloodline. Uh, and, and that's, they're, they're going to learn our culture that way. Um, they're not going to learn it by us patting them on the back. So me and coach bro last summer, we, we really got after them. Uh, and we saw, you know, fifth, sixth, or, or five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-olds, they were out there two-ball dribbling. They were they, were, they <laughs> sure. were crossing people over. You know, they were doing everything our older girls were doing. Uh, it might have been at a little bit slower pace, but it was just as intense. Um, we're holding them accountable to do the same things. They're not walking in our gym. You know, they're, they're, their arms are probably sore because they did about 100 push-ups every day for walking. So, you know, sure. like I said, um, I, it would have been easy for me and Coach Bro to go over there with them and, and have funsies and, and do whatever they wanted to do and be fun. But that's not how we're wired. And, and we know, like I said, those are those are our future players and we're going to teach them our culture, our culture right now. So, yeah, and that's expected, it sounds like, in your program. And it's it's great that you guys have access to them. I'm not sure if a lot of. 5A, 6A schools are doing that. I know they're working with their older kids. I love how you guys are connecting with the little ones, and they're excited about wearing that green, aren't they? Absolutely. They they know that, that we have a passion, and our school system has such a passion uh, for our, not only our basketball teams, but every sport team, you know. Um, and like I said, not many people are fortunate enough uh, to, ha- to be able to have hands-on um times with like their little ones who are who are feeding into our programs but we know it's just as important to get them ready um as it is for our older ones so and, and the same goes to our middle school you know our middle school teams they uh they run the same exact way the coaches in the middle school know what we're doing they, they're trying to run like our dribble drive offense that we run in high school they're running our 60 press they're running our o2 defense because if i know if they come through the middle school doing all that stuff when they get to us they're wired to do it you know it might not be the same speed and we might have to get them up to speed with everything but uh at least they have some sort of idea and that that really helps us that's what that we talk about consistency with our program and i think that really helps build consistency with us yeah it sure does and it's definitely visible to the eye i'm, I'm going to talk about your i want you to talk in a second here about your dribble drive and also your half court defense but before you do that, you mentioned to me about player-coach relationships uh, that are important to you and the Buford Lady staff. How do you guys establish that? Because you can see it on the court when I know when you guys are onto them really tough and they're handling it. That means you guys have good rapport with your players. Absolutely. Um, like I said, that's one of the big keys, and and that's one of the big keys in anything you do with working with with younger people, whether it's me as a teacher or as a coach. You know, we know, uh, we know as a staff, we get after our kids, and we have high expectations for our kids, and our parents know that as well. Um, but kids aren't going to trust you and be able to handle that. Like I said, if you don't have a good relationship with them, so with that, especially me and and kind of <laughs> Coach Bro, me and Coach Bro are kind of the young bucks on our staff. Um, we have a good relationship. We know we have to build that relationship with them uh, for us to trust uh, for them to trust us. Um, but it doesn't just happen overnight. Like we do, we do so many things with our girls outside of basketball in the fall. We, 
we have a uh, uh, once a week um, in the off preseason when we're doing conditioning on Wednesdays, we usually do a whole day where we work on leadership. We have like a segment of leadership. We have a segment of communication and we have a segment of something we want to get better at basketball. And that really helps us build relationships. We go to uh, we have a team retreat where we build relationships. Um, Me, Coach Bro and Coach Osment work at the middle school. So we're able to see our middle school girls every day and say, hey, how's school going? You know, we we, we're fortunate enough to have that opportunity. You know, I don't. I don't really know if um, some other people have that, but, you know, having three uh, high school coaches in a middle school setting where you can have your hands on the girls and, and kind of talk to them and, and teach them and coach them and stuff is, is definitely a blessing. So that's, that's kind of where I stand with relationships because if you have a relationship with a kid, that they'll go through a wall for you. Um, and if you don't, you're probably not going to, Probably they're probably not, and and I think it's important for us because just because we coach our kids so hard. So, yeah, I think what you guys do is awesome because I think you need to have I think coaches on campus. I think the trend is Kobe for to hire community coaches and people off campus, which I think is a not a great trend. I think you need people in the school so you're direct connected with the with the players. Don't you think? Absolutely. And, it, and like I said, it's, it's hard, you know, I I'm sitting here saying that and I'm at Buford where I'm in a great situation. And I, I definitely know just from talking to some buddies of mine, people don't have that opportunity. They might not have the jobs or anything. So they have to rely on, on community coaches, but still, if you're using that kind of as a crutch, um, then you're not going to get any better anyway. You, you, we always talk about finding a way to get it done. So no matter, regardless of what situation you're in, um, I think relationships are important, but like I said, I know it's easy for me to say that because we, we do have, we are in a good situation for that to happen. But like I said, not, not many people, um, have the opportunity or have the opportunity to hire on their staff. So, so it's tough. It's tough to find good people who are all in all the time, uh, with the same expectations. So, so I, I'm definitely, uh, blessed to be in the situation I'm in. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys take advantage of it because I know that, yeah, I mean, you can be put in that situation, but are you really excelling in that situation? I know you do that. Um, Talk about, let's talk about a little basketball here, a little dribble drive. You guys run that. Your dad has not always run dribble drive. He was sold onto that. What's, and this is what I see when you guys are running it. You run a lot of what I call weave and handoff action to kind of open up gaps Kind of tell us a little bit about how you guys run your dribble drive. Yeah, um, I know my dad, especially when he was at Dade and when he first mm-hmm. got to Buford, he wasn't really – he didn't really – he had one continuity offense that we still run sometimes, um, but he was more of a – he'd come down, run a set. I was It was funny, I'm watching – old Dade County films. And I was like, dad, y'all just ran a set every down the, every time down the court. I was like, how'd you do that? But he was like, yeah, that's how we used to do it. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if you know, Benji Wood. Um, I do. He had boy, boys coach at Cherokee bluff. Great man. We've known him since he's been at, he, he used to coach Johnson's girls when we lived in Dade and, and we've known him for a long time. And he kind of got us set up with dribble drive. My dad was really interested to see how, he ran it at North North Hall's boys used to run it, and I used right. to play against them, and they were deadly in dribble drive. So I think, um, 
I think even when I was in high school, my dad kind of asked Benji to come over and put it in. And, and ever since then, he had another coach, Brian Henley, who was an assistant for one year. And he, he kind of knew what he was doing with dribble drive. And then I came the year after. So it's just been something that we've done. But like you said, it's been it's been great for our success because it's it is, now it's one of our foundations of our program. And uh, no matter what we're doing in practice, whether we're shooting any type of drill we're doing, uh, is out of dribble drive. The shots we're getting getting our kids in, in pregame, the shots, uh, you know, we're working on, um, those different <laughs> situations, we, we get out of dribble drive. And like you said, with the um, the false action of getting like double gaps, triple gaps, all that, we're always trying to find ways to, to improve it. And, and I think it's something we've uh, we've definitely benefited from. And it's something we're, we're constantly tweaking. You know, we're, we're figuring out new ways to – People are smart now, and they know um, what we're going to do, and and they've been trying to jump switch us and trap us on the wings when we get it. So so we're right. trying to have to have to revamp it a little bit to, uh, especially now when we're moving up to six A. But but it's something that's been really really beneficial for us because it's allowing our kids to play, and I think that's the most uh, the best thing it's done for us is our kids aren't really put in a box where we're saying you have to go here, you have to go here, you have to go here. We're, we're allowing our kids to to be in a uh, system uh, that's structured, but also allowing them a system where they can make plays. And I, and I think that's really been beneficial for us. Yeah, I think the advantage you guys have is the skill development. So, you know, you have five girls that can all handle, that can all shoot, that can, you know, they're not all the same, but they're all skilled, which goes back to what you guys do with the fundamentals. You, you I mean, that's what I see, and that is teams got to do a better job developing players, so it doesn't matter what offense you run. Right. My dad, you know, he has a bunch of coaches asking them. They're like, <laughs> hey, we want to run dribble drive. And the first thing, you know, we'll meet with them and talk to them. First thing we ask them, we're like, how fundamental, how fundamentally sound are your girls? Because if you can't go left, if you can't handle the ball, uh, you can't run dribble drive, right? Without dribble, there's no drive. So uh, it really depends on, you know, your fundamentals. And like, it, like you said, um, we kind of build that with our foundation of Breakfast Club uh, because we find ball handling so important, and that allows us to run dribble drive. So you're absolutely – great point. That's something I really missed, uh, messed up on saying, but um, that's an excellent point that you bring up. Coach, talk about techniques. I always admire when, um, you know, you've been to our clinics and so forth, you always throw in a good technique – Talk about, I mean, and, and tell me, tell me if I'm a little bit off. And what I teach my girls is not necessarily the triple threat. I teach them, you know, what we call split, the split feet, where when we catch the ball, it doesn't matter what pivot foot you use. We're we are looking to go downhill immediately on the move, and that's how we teach how to attack gaps. That footwork before you catch the ball is important, isn't it? Absolutely. We uh we have. Um, we, we teach one permanent pivot foot and my dad has his reasonings on why we teach one permanent pivot foot, but we don't box our girls in by teaching that if they can use both pivot feet, we let them. Um, but so we work on everything like off a hop step or, or a jump stop. Um, so that's, that's just important today. We're running shell game and our girls on offense coming around the three point line. Some will catch and they're not even squared up to the rim. So, right. Like I said, that's that's a detail that we try to enforce. Um, even like we had some seniors and juniors who know what's going on. Their their footwork isn't even right. So, like you said, 
if everything builds and, and you're building good habits, but if we can't have, like, if we have girls who can't square up on the perimeter and be a threat, then we can't run dribble drive. So, uh, like you said, that's, that's a great point. I don't know if I gave you any pointers like you asked for, but, um, we, we, we always make sure our girls are squared up. Uh, we always want our girls to be a threat on the perimeter in dribble drive. Even if, even if they don't shoot it, uh, we want them to act like they're going to shoot it, uh, to be able to cause those long closeouts so we can drive and, and get gaps and all that stuff. So, so Kobe, are you guys trying to, and I, I this I'm studying the, the dribble drive and so forth. Are you guys trying to drive middle and then what we call is the kill zone, the elbow area? We're trying to get there and then we're making reads. Um, so how do you guys teach that? Are you teaching and you're looking to drive kick or you're looking to try to score out of that first dribble penetration? We always tell our girls to score um, because people are smart. And when we set up dribble <laughs> drive, we always have our point guard top right. And we just always have our best shooter in the wing in the corner. And sometimes – People are smart, like I said, especially when we had Tori Osmond and Audrey Weiner out there. That was the automatic, you know, they have to make a decision. We want our defense to have to make a decision on us. And if we have a point guard who's driving the pass every time, they're going to sit out there on that shooter and we're not going to be able to get in a dribble drive. But if, you know, our point guard gets downhill and breaks their guy, guy down uh, and scores a couple times, that wing has to decide, do I need to help right here or not? And like I said, we have a we, we've gotten now where people are smart, they scout us, and, and we got some false action to get into it. But really, uh, we want every one of our girls, no matter when they get it, we want them to catch shot ready first, especially if they're a shooter. But we want them to be a threat driving the basketball to score. Because the more you start scoring, the more the pitches and the dump-offs to our big uh, right. and all that are going to open up. And if you're just driving to pass uh, and not looking to score, you're running into some big problems because people are just going to sit out there on your wings um, and you're going to get stuck down in the kill zone, like you said. I mean, do you find at the girls' level, and I know I do, even we, we play at a small single-A level, Coach, not the big 6A or 5A, but when we get the ball in the paint, we're going to get fouled. I mean, because it disappears that girls don't do a very good job, number one, taking charges and cutting off that driving lane. Right. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same with us. Um, it, I, I kind of get shocked at how, how many times if we drive, you know, bigs don't, our girls will keep going. We always tell them to jump stop, but they'll keep going. No one really wants to take a charge and you can, you can cause some people problems if they're taking charges on you and dribble drive. So, uh, I, I think that happens all the way around, even in guys or girls. So, yeah. And then well, I think what you guys do in against the zone office, kind of studying what you guys do on zone. You guys, and I think your dad made a change with this, but how do you guys attack zones? Is it more principled or is it more set plays? Uh, it's it's principles. Uh, we teach our girls zone principles, and that kind of goes along in the line. That's one of our foundations. We have four foundations in our program. It's our dribble drive offense, our zone principles, our sagging man-to-man defense, and our 60 press. Um, and like I said, that's those zone principles – uh, are based out of a high-low set. Um, we have three guards on the perimeter, and we have a post working in the short corner and a post uh, at the high post. And when ball reverses, they're Xing. But that's been excellent for us. Um, that's been one of the things, like my dad, I don't really know where he found it from, but that's something we just teach our girls. And like I said, we 
we just we're teaching our girls to make plays. So no matter, I mean, we faced every kind of zone: three, two, two, three, one, three, one, uh, and it works every time um, against that. So we're not having to run plays like dribble drive. We're we're putting our girls in positions to make plays. So uh, it's been really really helpful um, against zones too. So yeah, absolutely, and and it's funny on that. I I, I know your dad has mentioned that so many times and so forth, but. Again, it goes back to the fundamentals. You guys are able to drive and kick, swing the ball. You guys have the strength to skip the ball. So all those individual skills pay off on the offensive end. Right. And in practice, you know, that those are, like I said, uh, we'll, have a, we'll have a zone day usually, and then we'll have a man-to-man day. And all of our drills are based out of either if we, it's a man day, we're doing everything out of dribble drive, our shooting, anything like that. And if it's a zone day, we are working, you know, out of our zone principles where we get where our girls will get all their shots, their basic movements. Um, and then when we come together, it works as a cohesive unit. It's kind of funny because my dad will take the bigs on one end and me, Coach Bro and Coach Green will take the guards on one end and we'll do all of our stuff, all of our pre-practice where we're loop working on loops you know all those things we do and uh we'll bring it together and it, it works really well so yeah that helps to have a good coaching staff like that right. to divide it up man that's pretty strong hey coach talk really quickly about your defense um you guys run a sagging man-to-man what i noticed though and these are some trends that i we're using we like to press on makes and misses um you guys do the same you're aggressive aren't you Absolutely. We, you know, we, we press major miss shot, um, something we've always done. Uh, and we've. Hello, my name is Rory Hamilton. I'm the head girls basketball coach at Norman North High School in Norman, Oklahoma. If you're looking for top-notch basketball coaching instruction and help, look no further than the Championship Vision podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. You can listen about our five keys to success at Norman North Girls Basketball, along with many other podcasts at championshipvision.org or listen on Spotify at Championship Vision. Happy hooping. I feel like people have to uh, adjust to us more when we're doing that. They can't really set up anything. So uh, that's a good thing that happens in our favor. But uh, like I said, for our half-court, um, our half-court man-to-man is a sagging man-to-man. Most people now call it pack line. Um, so in the, that's uh, we, you know, we're, we're putting pressure on the ball. Everyone else is on the helpline, um, and we're trying to not let anyone get in the paint. So that's kind of our philosophy with with O um, two defense. Yeah, and you guys take charges. I know, right? Do y'all work on that? Oh yes, sir. We uh, <laughs> we we have especially at the beginning when we're starting out that uh, we have charge drills. My dad's not as hardcore as he used to be. He used to have them doing it in warm ups and all that stuff, and. He would have he would be out there in pads pushing them everywhere, making them take charges. But yeah, we that's something we work on because, like I said, that's something that if if we're guarding really good athletes who are getting to the cup, who we're having trouble, you know, um, staying in front of, that's one way that we can, you know, stop them. Like I said, when you get against really good players, my, my like my dad, Coach Kayla Davis, uh, the only way you can stop Kayla, Kayla's one of my best friends now. Uh, the only way you can stop Kayla Davis is taking a charge on her. You know, she's so good offensively. She's so under control. And that that goes with a lot of good players. We know the only way we're going to stop some players, especially now when we're about to we're about to 
play with the big dogs, um, we got to be able to take charges. And that's something that we take pride in as a program. And I think our girls take pride in as well. Yeah. I, I, and I know what you guys, you teach angles, you know, on help. Cause you guys are a tremendous help team that I noticed you guys are really in those, those gaps. Uh, give us a little sample of how you guys teach that. And what are your emphasis? Because y'all do a terrific job on your help. Well, uh, we like to break it down whether um, it, the ball is one pass away or two passes away. Uh, we split the court in half uh, with a line called the help line. Uh, if you're one pass away, uh, you have one foot in the paint, uh, one foot outside of the paint. Uh, your belly is always to your man, so that tells you what up foot to have. Um, and we always talk about now – not having flat feet and help. We want to be big, have high hands and help. And if, if our girls uh, get beat on the dribble, we talk something about, we, we, we have the same word say bluff and retreat where we want to kind of stun at the girl to see if she picks up her dribble. So if she passes it, we're already on our way to closing out. Um, like today when we were working on it, we had a bunch of girls with dead feet. They would, they would get beat on the dribble and they would help. And they would stop the ball and just stop their feet, and they're kicking it out there. Um, and the other girls are shooting threes because we're not ready. We're not bluffing or retreating. So that's something big that we talk to our girls about all the time. Uh, and if the ball's two passes away, uh, where everyone's on the helpline, um, and it, it kind of gets more complicated when you add a post in there and we're talking about post defense and who to help if someone drives. But the main thing that we've really tried to focus on and get better at uh, we don't have to help if we can guard the ball. Sure. And, you know, that's easy to say, but I think that's something Coach Bro does a really good job of teaching. She's on our staff. She's the one coach from Air Force. She always talks about this thing called lead foot kickouts. Right. Um, and and we when we close out on the ball, we don't want to open our hips up uh, when people attack us because that's something that we scout. You know, we run dribble drive, and we if some people drive uh, – uh, and we're watching, we're scouting someone, we're like, they open up their hips every time we're attacking their butts, you know. And that's something that we don't want people to scout us. We want to uh, lead foot kick out, and that's something she's big about. Um, she always talks about how offensive players usually are going to take two to three dribbles, and if you can just keep them in front and level them off and not let them get in the paint, we don't have to worry about helping. So that's something that's that's been really prominent in all of our um, workouts, even last week's when we didn't have a ball, we were talking about lead foot kickouts, working on that. And, and especially today when we were able to get a ball. So, so those are some points that we like to, to do in O2 defense. Yeah. And we actually stole that from you from the clinic on that. I'm, I'm probably the biggest thief on that. I remember both you, um, you guys both demonstrated that. Yeah. Uh, and I said, man, that's a great point. It's a simple point, but it's really As, hard to do. It uh, is. And it's a skill. Like, we always break things down into skill. Um, but like you said, all coaches are thieves. You know, you, there's so much stuff out there, and, and I don't think there's any coach out there that hasn't gotten something from somebody. No one no one reinvents the wheel all the time. Yeah, and what's so. funny is that, uh, you know, we have stations and so forth that we run, you know, three days a week, and we're really working on – we call it a reach foot. So we're really working on pushing off and reaching because our kids – uh, we're trying to get them strong enough and agile enough to really extend. That's a hard skill, man. You got to train that. It is. And it, it is. And we, we have some little drills that we use where 
you know, we'll close out on someone and tell them to attack straight line. And we're working on just kicking them out two steps as hard as we can uh, just to get that muscle memory. And, and you know, a, a lot of people like to step to the to the player and that's where you get in foul trouble instead of stepping to the court. So we try to break it down like that. But like I said, that's usually a skill. And even me, like before Coach Bro started bringing that up to us, it's something you kind of take for granted, just like thinking, oh, stay in front of the ball. But but it's actually you can break it down and, and work on it every every day. Yeah, and I think that's vitally important because most most kids do not stop the ball. Most girls, I mean, they're you're you're right. They open up the hips and so forth. And that's that to me, if somebody's going to get something out of this pot, that's a great point that you just made. Coach, talk about your practices because if I had to describe your practices there, it's intense and relentless. How do you get your players to do this consistently? Uh, really, you're, first, you're absolutely right with the uh, intense and, and the speed, especially at the beginning of the year. Now, towards the end, they kind of uh, slow down. They're still intense, but they kind of slow down where we're, we're, we're just like tweaking stuff. But at the right. beginning of this season, um, we we want our girls – that's how we want our girls to play. You know, we want them to play fast and we want them to play fierce and intense um, while being under control. And we try to emulate that in practice. And my dad, you know, he always – he has a philosophy. Uh, we're going to practice harder than most teams play um, because if we're practicing harder and going at a speed uh, that most girls can't even play at, we, we've already won. So that's kind of our philosophy with that. But like you said, we uh, – for our girls, it, it's mainly on our coaching staff. Even our new girls, we, we're holding them accountable. We're we're not walking anywhere. We're we're sprinting and and like all these new girls, they're seeing all of our ball handling drills. And our seniors are out there going through it as hard as they can, and they're going to emulate that. And if they don't, uh, they have to leave. So it's kind of where you know our older ones know the expectation, and they're they're modeling it. Uh, and leading by example, and some of them are leading vocally like they should. But, um, you know, we're all – all of our coaching staff and even our players are holding our girls accountable to, to work at the speed they're supposed to work at. Um, because, like I said, we we know we, – we're experienced as a staff. We've, we've been um, – we've been – it's no secret that we've been successful, not just by winning, but uh, just – playing with the type of kid we play with and competing day in and day out. So we know what it takes uh, for our kids to, to get better. And that's something that we try to emulate in practice. Yeah. And let's be honest, the coaches are responsible for that. So uh, the players aren't going to do it unless you push them. So, so really there's no excuses, right? So if your team's not playing hard or practicing hard, there's something has to be done, right? Absolutely. And my dad, uh well as coaches like I said earlier my dad doesn't hold us back you know if if we see someone dragging we're getting after their butt and we you know we're saying you either make a decision now to get back right do what you're supposed to do uh or get out and so and we know that as a coaching staff it's our responsibility uh to bring it every day just like we expect our girls to bring it day as the coaches we have to bring it every day because even if we come in there dragging or acting like we don't want to be there. Uh, our kids know that. You know, they're not dumb. They're teenage girls. They can read, you know, and we can re- – just like we can read them. We know when they don't want to be there. But that's our expectation as coaches. We got to bring it every single day uh, because that's the standard. Um, we never let our expectations waver. So, if we come in there dragging, like I said, 
um, it's not going to be good. And, and, and we're, we're practicing bad habits. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, yeah, you definitely got to bring it every day because kids can read through that, no doubt. Hey, Coach, before you go, give us a sample of a Buford practice. Um, and, of course, you know, I mean, I, uh, I've seen a lot of your drills and so forth. Um, you have your breakfast club. But how do you guys run your basic practice on? How do you start a practice? Um, and give us kind of a basic Buford Lady Wolves practice structure. Well, at the beginning of the year um... – we'll bring them in the huddle and we'll, you know, talk about our points of emphasis for the day, what we're going to need to work on. And, and at the beginning of the year, it's usually everything. So they know, you know, what we got to work on. <laughs> sure. uh, and then uh, after that, my dad will put a minute on the clock and we have one minute where they're not stretching. They're not shooting. They're not doing anything. They're going somewhere to get their mind right. Uh, we always tell them, you know, whether you broke up with your boyfriend, you know, something bad happened, you got a bad grade, uh, leave that behind right now because we're, we're about to get started and we need you in the best mindset possible. So we call that be where your feet are. Okay. Um, we give them, put a minute on the clock, let them be where their feet are, let them know they're at practice right now. They got to get ready. They got to get mentally prepared for what's about to go on. So after we do that, the, the, um, the, buzzer sounds we do something called sink your hips we'll line them we have like five uh lines on the baseline uh and i run this uh it's something as simple we ball spin and we just catch in a ready stance and sink our hips you know playing low is one of the things that makes us successful and you'd be surprised even though we think our girls play low uh, we got kids who stand are standing straight up. Something as simple as going down and back. Sure. We're working on exploding out of a uh, triple threat or a ready stance. Uh, so we do that. And then we go right into our breakfast club ball handling. We do this every day of the year. Uh, like, like you've seen at clinics, we, we circle up, do all that, do our Lipscomb series, two ball dribbling. We'll do our fundamental dribbling. Um, and then after that, we usually do our quick set. And that's like, I don't know if you've ever seen us do quick sets. It's our warm-up uh, where we have all these drills where we're flying around everywhere. Yeah, yeah if, for sure. If you've ever seen us warm up, that's what we do in our warm-ups. Um, and then we stretch. So that was our warm-up before we even get started with practice. <laughs> uh, sure. So, you know, we get our, let our kids stretch. We had a trainer a couple of years ago come up with a really good uh, stretching routine for our girls where, where it's not wasting time. They're actually stretching their body out after we got them warm. Um, and then after that, we usually go into, uh, we usually go into something defensively. And I, it really depends on what part of the season we're in, uh, whether we're shell game, we might break it down to where we're triangle defense, um, something like that. Sure. And then we will work on like fundamentals where uh, we'll probably start with like layups. We do our form layups and then we'll do, uh, contested layups where we have people beside them, pushing them, uh, doing contested layups, some sort of finishing stuff. Uh, I think after that, we do something like – it's hard for me to remember because it moves so fast, you know. I, I just <laughs> like right. I'm going with the flow. Uh, we probably will break down um, – probably break down like our dribble drive or our zone principles. Sometimes we do both of them in the same day. Uh, and usually at the beginning of the year, we do do both of them in the same day. We'll do some dribble drive shooting. 
uh, or in some zone shooting that take, that's about 10, 12 minutes each. Uh, then we'll probably come back and work on the half court with everybody. And uh, then we'll go up and down the floor, you know, and I'm sure that's, I left a lot out right there. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I really can't remember. It moves so fast that we have so many drills that we do and our kids are kind of innate to know what's going on. So I, I, I kind of get uh, flushed sometimes trying to think of what we do in the practice, but, but, but like you said, throughout anything, all of our transitions from drill to drill, we're not walking, um, we're coaching, and we're, we're just trying to work at a speed that most people don't work at. So, Yeah, you're going hard and everything. And that's one thing that – and you got – the one great thing is you got a lot of coaches out there really admiring what you guys are doing, and we're taking it back to our program. So you guys are – you guys really are the model program, and – um um, you guys are doing a terrific job. I, I, I tell you what I love. I love how you guys start out. Uh, we, we know you do the breakfast club. Now, do you do all – you have the whole set of drills or do you pick out certain techniques or drills from the breakfast club each day? Um, at the beginning of the year, our practice usually we do the whole breakfast club. Okay. Because that's so many of our – that's so much of our fundamentals. We can get through it in about an hour because people know what's going on because they've already done it. Um, we're not wasting any time teaching. You know, we're coaching them, but we're not wasting any time stopping them, teaching them. Uh, but at the beginning of the year, uh, my dad doesn't really like to run our team. You know, he doesn't run our team. He thinks it's a huge waste of time because if they're doing what they're supposed to do, running from drill to drill and going hard in all the drills, th- they're going to get in shape. Um, so we don't even waste time conditioning like on the core at the beginning because we're going so hard with all of our breps club. And he kind of uses that as a motivation for them um, to go hard and all that stuff so they won't have to run. And they, they kind of pick up on it and enjoy that and go hard. Uh, but, yeah, as the year goes on, we'll do a couple things from Breps Club. But every day we really – we do all the ball handling. Every single day we do ball handling just because so much of our offense is based on our ball handling. Um, this year I put in a little – I thought we had to get better passing the ball. That's something that we – something that we kind of as a program – we haven't been good. We, we're good at passing, um, but, but it's something we, we kind of just teach in all of our drills, but we really had to go back and break down passing. So it really depends on what our team needs at the time. But usually we'll pick and choose stuff from Brett's Club to learn uh, or to use in practice. But uh, I really appreciate you saying that. I, I know a lot of coaches, you know, try to model, and, and that's a great thing. And, you know, we're re- really easy to get along with. And, and I don't want to sound like, you know, we know it all, but I think that's one of the part of the reasons we're successful too, is our coaching staff is always hungry to get better. We're, we're, you know, everyone says success makes you complacent or success softens. And I think that's one of the keys to our program and especially our coaching staff. We're always trying to find ways to get better. So if we, anything, you know, we were talking to, Jefferson's coach where he's a good friend of ours North North Murray's coach Benji Wood the other day we're we're trying to find ways to continually get better as well so yeah I, I love appreciate that. you saying that yeah um and I, I was going to ask you my last question is your hunger for learning um so I consider you and all the great coaches out there including your dad man you guys are learning it all I know your dad's still learning I know you're still learning that's something that our listeners really need to take take heed to right because man nobody knows it all and, you, and you're always trying to get better right um and i and that's something i've been blessed with you know 
a, a lot of people may think that we think we know everything just because we've won a couple, but, but we're, we're trying to, like I said, we're, our goal as a program, we're trying to be consistently competing year in and year out. And so you're not going to do that by staying the same, you know, someone's going to pass you eventually. Um, so like I said, he's, he's done a great job of embedding in me and really all of our coaches. I learned from them just as much as I learned from my dad about how, we need to continually get better. We need to continually try to find things that not to just do, you know, we, we have some good foundations, but how can we improve this foundation? How can we do this better? How can we do that better? And, and that's where a lot of people, I think now uh, you're right. They think they know it all. And especially people who've been successful, they think they know it all and they might, they might know it all, you know, they might know a bunch, but um, I think, uh, to continually to be successful, uh, you can't be complacent. You got to always trying to find a way to get better in all aspects of the game or all aspects of building a program. Uh, Cause there's so much out there, you know, there's, there's great things that people can do. Um, you find a bunch of stuff on Twitter and it all works. It's just how you want to fit it into your system um, and all that. So yeah, I, I love that, Coach. And and uh, you guys are definitely not complacent because you just mentioned earlier that, you know, now you guys got to work on passing and catching more. And, you know, so you're you're trying to find the little things because you can't be you can't be great in everything. So you guys are trying to get better at the little things. And that says a lot about your program. Hey, talk about a what is your future? Kobe Durden, what's the future five years down the road? What are you looking to do with your career? Because I know one of these days uh, you're going to be an excellent head coach. What are some of your goals for the future? Well, like I said, I that is one of my goals. I want to be the head coach, and I don't just want to be a head coach anywhere. I want to be the head coach of the Buford Lady Wolves. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, not everything works out like that, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, uh, but that would be one of my goals that I have if I'm fortunate enough uh, for that to happen, that would be great. But like you said, that's that's definitely one of my goals to be a head coach. Um, but still, I have a lot. I have a lot to learn. There's so much. Uh, I mean, I, I try to. My dad lets me come into parent meetings and listen. Um, he lets me, uh, you know, look at like fundraising. There's so much that I have to learn as a coach that most people kind of, you know, they think, oh, it's just basketball. When it's not basketball, it's not all what's what you see on the court. There's so much that goes into uh, building a program, uh, sustaining that success if you, if you want to be successful. And, and, but yeah, like you said, that's, that's one of my goals um, is to keep this train rolling when my dad kind of rides off into the sunset. And if I am uh, fortunate enough for that to happen, that would be uh, great. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to keep working it when he's here, you know, hopefully he, he has another five or six years in him. Um, I'm going to continue to learn and I'm going to continue to not just learn from him, but I, you know, I have some guys who I met through my dad and met through other coaches on our staff that I, I try to be in their ear all the time and, and learn stuff from them. One, one guy in particular, Greg Brown at Jefferson, he, he, I grew up at his parents' house. They were like my babysitters, but he's doing a great job there. So I'm trying to, and he does some things a little bit different, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep trying to learn as well. Uh, but like you said, that's, that's one of my goals to be a head coach one day. And then, and I'm going to try to work my tail off to get there. Yeah, no doubt. And you're definitely paying your dues, man. And you, um, I think you got a bright future, future coach, but it's amazing how many Georgia really good. There's a lot of great coaches in Georgia. I think, I think we're an underrated 
basketball state. I think there's a lot of great coaches out there. Absolutely. There's there's guys. I mean, and and most people think great coaches are always winning. There's some coaches who aren't great who win, and there's some co- coaches who never, you know, are, sniff a state championship who I know that do great things. And so it's not really about wins and losses, but you're absolutely right. There's so many guys out there and girls uh, that we can not just – me but everyone can learn from who are so knowledgeable about the game who've been in been in some wars and and they have great experience and so I I definitely think Georgia is a is a hotbed for some great coaches yeah and you gave me some great names I'm going to contact for the podcast man I appreciate that um yeah yeah, so I'm definitely going to look into it um hey uh, hopefully you guys can come to our we're looking to run the clinic again I'm hoping you guys come back out you guys have been a staple for our cl- everybody always looks for the view for lady wolves at our clinic you and gene so hopefully you guys come back hey absolutely if if we're if we're fortunate enough to to be invited back we will definitely try to be there it's always a first class event and and you do a great job with it and you know just from watching you and your girls you do a great job with your program as well um and so i i, I want to give you credit for what you're doing uh down there at lake oconee and and uh i appreciate you know you having me on this podcast and and hopefully we can we can get back there uh this year yeah absolutely coach how can people get a hold of you i know a lot of listeners really from around the country like to contact the coaches what's the best way to get a hold of you um you know i i'm on twitter uh at cbydrdn i just took all the vowels out of my name because i thought it was cool <laughs> yeah, that's cool I, i've had the same twitter handle since i've been like in college i thought it was cool but <laughs> I, I might need to change it but usually if, if someone shoots me a little dm or something i've had a uh i've had some coaches you know reach out to me because the graphics i do for our program so but that's probably the easiest way um to reach out to me is through twitter and and if they want my phone number or whatever we could link up that way too that'd so. be great and i'll have everything on the website hey i gotta get a hold of you because i was just gonna ask you man those graphics you guys put on are awesome man you gotta you gotta help me out a little bit with that hey yeah i uh hi this is jeff jasper head basketball coach at pascac valley high school in new jersey if you haven't listened to Kevin's championship podcast, you're missing out. This guy's got a passion for the game, great insights, and he interviews some pretty cool people. I must say he interviewed me. I had a lot of fun. Best to all of you. Take care. Coaches, thank you for listening to the Championship Vision podcast. Uh, hopefully you got a lot of great notes from Kobe Durden, the assistant coach at Buford High School. And I just want to mention my championshipvision.org website, uh, a website that has a lots of great information for you. If you're looking to learn and get better, I just want to give you some examples of some new items that I have out. Again, it's on championshipvision.org. Um, I do have a helping your players get to the next level Zoomcast on there the titan games which is our conditioning program we use here at lake oconee academy is also available uh also i have what i call the quarantine player workout which is a workout that we used here during the quarantine time it's a great um workout when to give to your players at any time whether it's quarantine or any time that they can do on their own 
Um, so please uh, stop by the website and take a look at some of the great items we have. So it's championshipvision.org. And thank you for listening to the podcast.